Good morning. Today's shoes Le'ilu Nishmas Shoshana Pesa Bas Today's daf is daf Lamadalad. We're going to go from the Mishnah on the third line of Lamadalad Amud Aleph 34a. Yeah. Just to make this Mishnah more uh, comprehensible, think about it in the day, back in in the time of Chazal. They used to in the time of the Gemara. They used to daven without sidurim. It was all done off heart. So the Gemara, so the Mishnah says, "How evil if now teva v'tah? If he goes down, he goes before the teva, other shliat sibur, and he gets confused. Yavor achar tachtov, you replace him. V'lo yehi sarvan ba'osashah. The person being replaced shouldn't refuse at that time. As the Gemara is going to bring, a person shouldn't agree to be shliat sibur straight away. But at this time, when everyone's waiting, it's the middle of the amida, the shliat chazaras hashat, and uh, it's a little bit." Uh, Yes, uh, a little bit degrading for the Chazoros Hashats that you're stopping in the middle. Don't be saying, go straight up and, and carry on. Where does he continue from? From the middle of the, from the beginning of the bracha where the old Chaz and the old Shliat got confused. The one who is the Shliat should not after answer or main after the Kohanim. You know, um, on Yom Tov when the Kohanim Duchen, I mean in Eretz Yisrael and some even say Chuzah, but in Eretz Yisrael they Duchen every day. And the Kohanim say, Yevorecha Hashem Yishmarecha. Everyone responds Omein. The Shliat should not respond Omein. Mipnei HaToref, because he might get confused. He says Omein, and then he doesn't know which part of the Birchas Kohanim is he in, or did they finish, but he now gone to Sim Shalom. So just to save him from getting confused, he should say Rabah, for him, ain't Shom Kohen Elohu. If he is the only Kohen, lo he says Kapov, he shouldn't go in Duchen. Again, the same problem is if in the middle of the Amida he goes up to Duchen, in the middle of his Chazor Sashas, he goes up to Duchen, and then he has to, after Duchen, come back and carry Sim Shalom, he might get confused. And therefore, again, we don't want that. But if he's confident that he can duchen and go back to daven as usual, then he's allowed to go up. Because then there's no point, there's no concern of, of confusion. So just to, self, um, you know, just to reiterate the point, is this relevant nowadays? And primarily the second of the mission of the Kohanim not saying Omein, etc. Um, and if I remember correctly, the Mishra comes out that Kohanim can duchen. Um, well, the Shliatzibur can duchen if he's the only Kohen. Um, or main, I don't remember if he says or not. But the reason being, because he goes with the Siddur and he comes back with the Siddur, so there's no, nowhere where he'll get confused. Um, I, don't, I don't know how the Kohanim, uh, I don't know how the Shliatzibur, the Shliatzibur just stands where he is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. I don't know I don't know the halacha, but that could. Um, yeah, Tosos asked an interesting question. Says, we say the Shliatsibu can't answer main after Birchas Vahanim because he'll get confused. Isn't it also to ask, answer Omein in the middle of the Amida? When you're done in the Amida, you don't answer anything. As we saw, even a Jewish king who will not put you to death because you're in the middle of David in Amir, you're not even allowed to respond to. So, so Tosvah says, must be, we learn from here, that answering Omein, since it's necessary for the Tefillah, it's not considered a soccer. Okay, and then he goes into a few other interesting points, but let's go on. 
So the Gemara says, When someone's asked to go as the Shnei Atzibur, he should refuse. If he doesn't refuse, He's comparable to food without salt. He's acting in bad taste. What's the problem? We'll see, we'll see. Um, why should he refuse? I think uh, part of the reason it's not it's a Jewish way to shy away from honor, shy away from publicity. So to someone asks you to be shayatzibur and you jump ahead, it's acting in bad taste. It's food without salt. But if he refuses too much, that's like a cooked dish that's spoiled with too much food, too much salt. So you've got to get the balance. He says, So how do you get this balance? He says, so what does he do? The first time he's asked to be Shliyatsibur, he refuses. The second time he like starts to stand hesitantly. And in the third time they ask him, come be Shliyatsibur, then he gets up and he walks to be, uh, to be the Shliyatsibur. I think then you automatically give an attack. There's no, it seems there's no concept of refusing or agreeing, but I'm not, I'm not sure the details of that. This is more when they're choosing who should be the Shliatsibur. When you have a Chov, then you're automatically chosen. So I'm not sure. Good question. Three things, too much of them is bad. But the little bit is very good. Salt, a dough, soor is the sourdough that they used to use to cause the other dough to rise. If you put in too much, then it gives a bad flavor. But if you put in the right amount, then it makes the dough rise nicely. Melach, salt, again, you put in too little, you put in the right amount of salt, it brings, enhances the flavor. You put in too much, it makes it uh, horrible. Basarbanus and refusing. If someone makes a mistake in the first three brachas of the Amida, he goes back to the beginning. Where this is most relevant for us is if you forget Mashiva Ruch Merida Goshem, he might be able to say, but, and then you realize after you've said oh, halfway into your Amida that you're supposed to say it, you don't go back to Mashiva Ruch Merida Goshem or the bracha of. Um, you go back to the beginning of the Amida. Or if you forget when you, were, you say Akadosh when you are supposed to say Amelech Akadosh, again, you don't go back to just the beginning of Akadosh, you go back all the way to the beginning of the Amida. In the middle brachas, if you make a mistake, you go back to Atochonein. That's the first of the middle brachas. In the last three, you return to Avoida. Avoida is Ritzah Hashem Elokeinu. Uh, it's always when you have to start off the heart in the middle of Shira obviously that's the beginning of the that's the beginning of the last third so you'd go back to there um, your Tosas explained the reason is because well the first three are all praise for Hashem so in a way they're all one unit one brocha the last three are all acknowledging Hashem thanking Hashem Etc. So that's also one unit, and the middle are the requests. One unit, as we even saw by Havinayin, you can even lump all uh, all the middle ones together in certain contexts. Ravasi Omer Ravasi says, The middle ones have no order. What does that mean? So Rashi explains, there's no order. There's no going back to the beginning. If you say them out of order, you say. Uh, 
atol chonein, and then refoenu, uh, and then and then you, you well, let's say you're saying all the way along, you get to es semach or something, and you realize, wait, I said borei cholenu wrong, or you skipped one of the brachot. You can say it there, and then you just carry on as usual. So there's no order if you said one in the wrong, if you forgot to say one, or you made a mistake in it, and you have to say it again. You just say it where you're up to, and you continue. That's how Rashi learns. Tosu say that's not, uh, that can't be. Uh, he says velona hira doesn't appear to me to be the correct chat. And he brings uh, his primary sources from a Gemara in uh, Megillah, which says you're not allowed to re- re- read the Megillah out of order. And it says, So to with Halal Kriyashma and Tfila, you're not allowed to say it out of order. So he says, so what does it mean, Ein lo Seder, there's no order? He says, this is, Lekach nire kapeirush Rashbam v'Ravalfes, it seems the correct explanation is like the Rashbam and Ravalfes. The Ein lo Seder, the Ka'amar Hanush Yatku b'mokom shedilek, Habrocha, you go back to where you said the, where you skipped the brocha, and from then onwards you go back in order, but you have, to, but you do, and you don't have to go back to atochonein. So Einoim Seder, according to Tosos, and this is how we paskin, if you make a mistake in one of the middle brochas, you go back to the brocha where you made a mistake, and you continue from there. You don't have to go back to atochonein. So what does it mean, no order? It means it doesn't have to be said from beginning to end. But obviously, from where it has to be said in the correct order. So, if you made a mistake in Borei Cholenu, you said the same bracha instead of the same Talamotalev bracha, you go back to Borei Cholenu. Not like, um, not like Ravuna said that you go back to Atochonein, you just go back to Borei Cholenu. But from Borei Cholenu, you said in order, in order, even if you've already said a few brachas. Mosir Rav Sheshes, Mahechanu Choyzer, Rav Sheshes challenges from, it seems from our Mishnah, where does he go back to? Mitchila HaBrocha Shetobo, from the, where he made a mistake in it, Yuf to the Rav Huna, this is a rejection of Rav Huna. Again, Rav Huna came along and said, you go back to the beginning of our Tochonein, our Mishnah says, if the Chazan, the Shleat Sibur, got confused and he made a mistake and he didn't know how to continue happening, you put someone into his, in his, to replace him, and where does he continue from? From where he left off. Rav Huna will say, no, we view all the middles at one bracha. So when the Mishnah says, go back to the, begin, to the bracha that he made a mistake, it means if he's in the first three, he goes to the beginning of the Amidah. If he's in the middle, what's it, 11, no, uh, 13. If he's in the middle 13, then he goes back to Atochanen because it's all viewed as one bracha, one request. And if he's in the last three, he goes, so, okay, so our Mishnah is no proof. A person should not make his requests in the first three brachas or in the last three brachas, only in the middle brachas. What are the first three? What are the first three brachas? A slave who's praising his master. I once he wants to ask for something, so he first praises him. The middle brachas of the slave asking for, the servant asking, requesting the bread, bread or food from his master. And the last three brachas are the slave who's received the, the food from his master and he's, uh, he's thanking him and leaving. That's the last uh, few brachas. And just two, in, two important halachas and points on here is we said a person shouldn't ask his personal needs in the first three brachas, all the last three brachas, but the first three brachas. In Naseris Yimei Tshuva, we say, Zohreinu remember us for life, um, 
etc. All these phrases that are personal, that are requests. So Tosfos point out, very importantly, he brings it from the Rak and Rabbeinu Hai, it's specifically personal requests. But communal requests, you can actually ask for even in the first three brachas. So again, we generally don't, but in our series of Chuva by Rosh Hashanah, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, then we do ask, but those are communal requests for life, for everyone, etc. Um, yeah, that's the, um, that's the one point. And the second point is, um, just an interesting one, is we said that the last three brachas are like, you've asked Hashem for what you need, and then you've already received it. What does that mean? You know, you daven for more parnosa and straight after the end of the Amidah you receive the parnosa. No, it might have, um, the bracha or the answering of your tefillah might only come later on in the day or a few days later. So what does it mean? You view the last three brachas as if you've requested what you want from Hashem and then you, and then you've, and then you thank Him for it. That's what it sounds like the Gemara is saying. You've received what you wanted from Hashem and you thank Him for it. Okay, so you're saying it's a generic term, but that's not what the Gomorrah sounds like it's saying. You're saying it's thanks to Hashem in general, which is generally how we learn it. You say modim, you're thanking Hashem for your life, you're thanking Hashem for your asat, you're thanking Hashem for everything that's going right, that you do have a panel. So that's what, yeah, that's what the standard understanding of modim is, is that we're thanking Hashem for all the good in our lives and acknowledging it comes from Hashem. But that's not one second, one second. That's not, that doesn't sound like what the Gomorrah is saying. It says, the last three are like the servant who's received the bread, again, that he's just asked for from his master, and is exempt. So the question is, your tefillah has a very good chance. Your tefillah has not yet been answered. So, I mean, yeah, there could be various answers, but the one answer I heard is that, no, that you've, by just davening to Hashem and acknowledge, well, realizing that you have to ask Hashem for what you need, You've actually grown from the tefillah itself. And he quoted, Rav Ari Levi, quoted the Mabit. He says the word mispalel means that the davening is on him. It should be mipalel. I don't, my tiktok's not so good, so I can't explain it uh, clearly. But it, the, the phrase davening should be mipalel, not mispalel, that it's ref, uh, back on him, reflexive. So he says, no, it's because when you daven, it changes you. And this can also help us understand, just to, this is my own thing, but just to extend it, Avram's tefillah, he davened to Hashem, he said, by storm, he said, if there are, what, a hundred righteous people, save the city. And Hashem says, there aren't a hundred righteous people. So he says, okay, if there are ninety, save the people. If Hashem won't save the city, because even if there are a hundred people, he's never going to save the city if there are ninety people. And obviously less and less. He says, no, because each time, this is, the Shirei Da says, that each time Avram davened to Hashem, he came closer to Hashem and he had a greater understanding of Hashem's mercy. And therefore his tefillah, he can, oh, I thought he would only save the city if there were a hundred. But now I realize how merciful and great Hashem is. I'll, he'll even save it if they're ninety. Once he's done into Hashem. So there, what do we see? As you go through the tefillah, it changes your approach to Hashem. It, the tefillah itself is a, is a benefit. Um, and that's an advantage of uh, yeah, that's uh, some, I think it's a deep uh, message in tefillah. We've got to remember, obviously, it's about asking Hashem for what we want, but it's about the connection and that uh, turning to Hashem for our needs. Um, I think some learn that the primary, the ikar of tefillah, the ikar of damning to Hashem, is realizing 
that, that we're totally dependent on him. And going through that experience is beneficial in one's life. And he can already thank Hashem for having the Twila, for, for the Twila, for the opportunity to dalim. Rabbi Tanzer says that if X is asking for something, maybe X didn't deserve it before he dalim, but now that he's dalim, then he's close to Hashem. Okay, that's a different discussion. That's a different discussion. Because we often ask, I'll just ask the question, but we often ask the question the other way, of what, the opposite of what you, almost the opposite of what you're saying, is that we say, look, Hashem's decided what each person gets or doesn't get. So what difference does it make whether, I'm da- whether I daven or not? He's decided that I'm going to have food or not have food. Um, <coughs> I, do I deserve food or do I not deserve food? Uh, good panos or bad panos or for shalom. And what is Hashem? And then nevertheless, you still go and daven. So what role is davening playing? Just asking that question. I'm not going to answer it now. This story, I think, happens in every community, every yeshiva, and with everybody. It was a stu- oh, sorry. Someone asked, what about in asking, thanking Hashem for personal things in Moedim? From this Gemara, it would seem it's not the right place to. Um, maybe communal thanks, but seems from here it says you should uh, unless you want to say that it's only requests you can't make maybe you can't make a personal request but you can make a personal acknowledgement and thanks to Hashem maybe I'm not sure there was a student who went uh, who was the Shiat Sibu before Eblezer and he was going on and on and on Omru his student said to him Rabbeinu Kama Orchon Who's there? He's taking his davening way too long. The davening is way too slow in the yeshiva. So Omar Lohem, Klumari, Chosami, Moshe Rabbein, as he, he davened for longer than Moshe Rabbein, as he elaborated on the tefillah more than Moshe, said, It's written to him, It's Arbim Hayom, It's Arbim Halayla. I davened for 40 days and nights. He says, Until Shachar is taken 40 days and 40 nights, I'm not going to tell him to slow down or tell him that his davening is too long. There was a case with one student that went before the Amir and he davened the shortest possible davening. So they complained before Rebbe Lazar says, Rebbe Lazar is davening too, too, he's saying too little, he's not davening, the davening is too quick. So Amar Lai, Klum Makata Yosimimas, Mimosha Rabbanu, whoever you found a shorter tefillah, has he gone shorter than the short tefillah of Moshe Rabbanu? As it's written, this is where Moshe Rabbanu was davening for Miriam, who had Sarah to be healed. It says, Kel Norofonolo, God, please heal her. That's the nice, short, very short tefillah. It says, okay, he hasn't davened shorter than that, so it's fine. So, yeah, I guess in this, that people complain about the davening is too long, the davening is too short. Um, not, a, not a new thing. But, yeah, carrying on, the Gomorrah learns the thing from Moshe's tefillah. Anyone who davens for his friend, he doesn't have to mention his name. Moshe said, please heal her. The local Miriam, he doesn't mention Miriam's name. There is just uh, two points on here to think about. One is, we generally say when you're davening for someone, you should mention their name. Um, so once some explain that the difference is if they're right there, then you don't have to mention their name. So let's say you go visit someone in the hospital. One of the primary aspects of Bikul Cholim is to daven for them. We forget about this, but one of the primary aspects of visiting a sick person is to daven for them. So you daven for them. They're right there. You don't have to mention their name. But if you had a distance, then you should mention their name. Um, okay. Um, another question is we're particular not only to mention their name, but to mention their mother's name. 
I didn't get a chance to look into where that comes from and how we tie that in with this uh, Gemara. Pardon? Who's name? Rachel. Yeah. And she used whose name? Sarah's? She used the mother's name. Something like that. Okay. Did you? Yeah. Did you hear it differently? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how to fit it in with this brochet. I'm not sure of the exact group, but I'm not sure of the exact source and uh, where we pray for the mother's name. But from this Gomorrah on the surface, you don't have to. Um, the following brochet is where a person bows for them. Remember, we learned earlier that we you, we learned earlier in the Masechta that there are certain times in the Amida where you must bow. So he says, at the beginning and the end of Avos, so that's when we start the Amida, Baruch Hashem, and also at the end of Avos, that's Baruch Hashem, Mokain Avraham. So that's where we bow. Second time, at the beginning and the end. If someone does bow at the beginning of every bracha or at the end of every bracha, I'm not just in these four places, we tell him to stop bowing. We teach him that he mustn't. In the name of Baal Kapora, a hedgehog, a regular person, bows as we've just said. Koin Godol Basokol Brocho Brocha, Koin Godol bows at the end of each Brocha, Vahmelech Trilakol Brocho Ubrocha Basokol Brocho Brocha, and a king bows at the beginning of every Brocha and at the end of every Brocha. And Omer Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Panachmani has a slightly different version. He says, Lididim of Foshli, we made the Rabbi Shua Ben Levi, Hedjot Kamoisha Omanu, a Hedjot as we've just said, Koin Godol Trilakol Brocha Ubrocha, a Koin Godol at the beginning of each Brocha, okay, that's the opposite. Um, the previous opinion said at the end of bracha, he says at the beginning of each bracha, and Amelech Kivain Shekora, when the king bowed, Shuv Zoykev the king he bows, he starts bowing at the beginning of the Amida and he stays bowed the whole Amida. Where do we get this from? Shenemar, it says this is by Shlomo's when Shlomo finished with Davin, he got up, from bowing. When he finished Davening, then he got up from bowing. We see that. Only a king bows the whole way through the Amidah. Um, just toss us ask, what's the difference if someone wants to bow more or not? So he gives two possible answers. The first one he says, if he can bow, in, as soon as we allow him to bow in everyone's, then he's treating the, the teachings of, uh, the, he's treating the teachings of Chazal carelessly. And it will swing back in the opposite extreme. Chazal tells you these are the four places you bow, and we're particular to only bow at those places. And even though it might be a good practice to bow more, we don't allow people to because then they're not taking the words of Chazal seriously or with precision, and Chaz Shalom it will also result in the opposite, a, a general disregard for the teachings of Chazal. A second answer he gives is, Chayshin and Yura, we're concerned he'll become arrogant. He's like, no, I'm the sort of guy who bows at every single bracha. That's arrogant. Have you seen all of that? Because that's the midah of the Kohanim and Kohanim, Kohen Godel and the kings. They have to bow more. So if a regular person says, you know, I want to be a bit like a Kohen Godel, that's arrogant. Bow to Sif, but it's not a, it's like, it's a, 
Yeah, I don't know if it falls into that category. Um, Tosfos, yeah, okay. Um, Tosfos, uh, Rashi, sorry, Rashi explains, says, why does a king, why does the coin god and the king have to bow more than a regular person? Because bowing symbolizes us um, humbling ourselves before Hashem. And the greater the person, the greater his prestige, the more he needs to humble himself before Hashem. So that's Rashi. And Ton Rabon and Kid, now we're going to discuss different types of bowing. I'm not clear on exactly what they're all about. Kida ala paim, kida is on your face. Shenema batukat basheva apaim arta. Basheva did kida her face to the ground. It's either it's somehow falling, either while standing, going your face to the ground and supporting yourself on your thumbs, or, um, or sitting and bowing your face to the ground. It's not so clear, but either way, it was a very special type of bowing that only very few people manage and the Gemara actually brings that and the one I think it was Levi actually injured himself very badly trying to do Kidda and he had done a very so he wasn't like worthy to do Kidda and he injured himself um, then Kriya Kriya implies bending your knees yeah that's al Beichaim on his knees Shenema Mokhru al he bowed on his knees different type of bowing. This is spreading your hands and hands and feet straight out. We'll bow down to you on the ground. We'll be fully prostrated before you. Rova wouldn't bow do They would lean on their sides. It's not so clear. Um, yeah, they wouldn't do normal hishtachave when the opportunity arose. They would lean on their sides. I saw Oshkol want to explain it as to do a tachnun. They said tachnun. Um, we, we, that's um, tachnun. They used to bow on the ground. It's brought that a choshu person shouldn't. And we don't, we don't go straight over. We lean to the side. So it seems so. So Oshkol want to tie it to that. But I'm not too clear why that's, why that's brought here then. If someone bows at Moedim, it's a good thing to do. Another Bryce says, if you bow in Moedim, it's Maguna. It's uh, distasteful. So what do you, is it good to bow in Moedim or should we not? This is at the beginning of the end. But Rav used to bow at the beginning and the end of Moedim. And the sage said to him, how can you do this? I saw both Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshe used to bow at the beginning of Moedim at the end of Moedim. So why would I not? But didn't we learn in the Brisa that if you bow in Moedim, it is Maguna, it's distasteful. That's bowing in the hoidus of halal. You might, oh, when I say moidi man achnu locha bow, when I say hodul Hashem ki tov, I should also bow. So that's distasteful to bow in halal. No, but there's another bracha which singles out. It says if you bow in hoda and you bow in hoda of halal, that's maguna. Must be hoda is moidim. So it seems very clearly that you shouldn't be bowing in Moedim. It says, no, that's in the Hoida of Birch HaSamozen. Noide Lecha Hashem. Noide Lecha Hashem. The second bracha of Birch HaSamozen. Um, so it comes out, yes, Rava's practice, and this is the halacha, we bow at the beginning and the end of Moedim. It's also like the price. It seems they must have had a different use in the previous price because we brought the price that says when the four times you bow at the beginning and the end of Moedim. 
So they must either that's not supposed to be in the price or they didn't have that price or something like that. Okay, next Mishnah. Hamispal of Simon Rolli. If someone makes a mistake while they're davening, it's a bad sign. In Shliatzibur, who, if he's a Shliatzibur, Simon Rolli Shluchav, it's a bad sign for those who sent him because he's acting on their behalf. Because the agents of someone is like him himself. So it's as if the community themselves are messing up in that villa. Um, obviously, this is when he's someone who generally dumbens fluently and smoothly, and all of a sudden, not like us who are English speakers, and any time we're saying a tefillah, we're stumbling over the words. So he's someone who's dumbens very smoothly and fluently, and all of a sudden he's struggling and uh, stuttering and getting mixed up in the words and loses the phrases. Um, he would daven for sick people and straight away he would be able to determine whether his tefillah was answered and they would live or chas v'shalom the opposite how do you know this if my, if my tefillah flows fluently from my mouth I know that my tefillah has been insected then I know that it's been torn up in my face I reject it and we see, uh, I mean, very interesting to see how in touch he was with his spiritual existence and how his, and his tefillahs, how uh, smoothly they went. Again, it's easier to uh, explain with someone who's maybe damning from his heart, I guess, sadly, unlike we often forget to damn from our heart, but damn, someone damning from his heart, and generally his tefillahs would go, flow from his, he could express his tefillahs clearly, and all of a sudden he's struggling. Ah, hey. It says, what bracha is it a problem if a person makes a mistake in? That it's a simon ross. Omri v'chayim v'rav safra mishum chad devei revi revi chia barab barav revi chia sin member of safra from one of the students of revi ba'avos. It's in the first, only in the first bracha. If you make it, if you can't say that fluently, then it's a then it's a simon raw. Ikadamasli la brisa. Some actually taught us on the following brisa. This that we said, Avos is not going on this teaching, it's going on a different teaching. Someone who davens has to direct his heart. In the whole if he's not able to concentrate for the whole tefillah, he must just say it. Have kavona for one bracha. which bracha? Ba'avos, in Avos. So that's where Avos was said again. Ideally, you must concentrate, you must um, direct your heart through the whole of the Amidah. If you realize you're going to struggle, then put in the effort in the first brach in Avos. Interesting enough, lahalacha, it's brought in Shukhanon, that you should repeat your Amidah if you don't concentrate for the first bracha. We don't practice like that because we say our concentration, our directing our minds and hearts to focus on Hashem and the tefillah is so bad that who says the second time you're going to do any better. But strictly speaking, if someone doesn't concentrate for Avos, they should repeat the Amidah. Yeah, start the Amidah again. It is the first prophet, so you'd start the Amidah again. Um, the, there's a very interesting um, Rav Chaim Briskin, his Sefer, he brings, he says there's two types of Kavona we find you need for tefillah. There's one is the kavon of understanding what you're saying. I, say, I guess you could say saying your tefillah with meaning. And the other kavon is being aware that you're standing before Hashem. And he says this that we're discussing here, that if you don't have kavon except for Avos, it's okay. It's only the one of understanding and say, and the words, understanding the words and saying them with meaning. But of the 
kavana that you have to have that you're standing before Hashem. Well, he says, well, if you don't have that kavana, there's no tefillah. So your tefillah is definitely possible. I haven't seen that we paskin like that, but it's a very important concept to think about and the importance of being aware when you're davening the Amida to try, well, to try, I guess, and to make yourself aware that you, we view it as if we're literally standing before Hashem. Remember we saw earlier, similarly, you should view it, you should view yourself as right before the Kodesh HaKadoshim, by or in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, davening towards Hashem. They said about Rabbi Hanina, says, etc., that Rabbi Hanina could tell based on how fluent his tefillah was, whether it would be accepted or not. Where did he get this from? The Pesach says, I created the utterance of the lid, Shalom, Shalom, greetings to those who are far and those who are near. Omar Hashem, Hashem says, and I will heal you. Um, Rashi explains, Kashaniv Boire Nilsfosai means the one who created with speech. But Rashi explains we're making a play on the word Boire and saying Bori, I healthy. When the speech comes out healthily, smoothly, and eloquently, then it's then Hashem will heal you, then the tefillah will be answered. Once we've mentioned this posuk, we're now going to go on a little bit of a detour. Sorry, let me start this phrase again. All the prophecies on the Vim that speak about reward and goodness that will come to people and comfort are only Someone who marries his daughter to Tamud Chacham, lo aise prakmatia the Tamud Chacham, does business on behalf of Tamud Chacham. I takes the Tamud Chachams and invests it on his behalf so that he can, uh, so Tamud Chacham can learn. With a mahane Tamud Chacham in a chosav enables Tamidei Chachamim to gain from his property. Aval, so that's the all these rewards, the wonders and beautiful things, the good things that the Nevi'im speak about are for this person. Aval Tamud Chacham Atzma, the Tamud Chacham himself, I lo rase elokim zolasecha yase lemakolo. No eye has, can Eve has ever seen what's for those who are hoping him. Either Tamar Chochem's reward is inconceivable. All this that we read about the Nevi'im prophesying and the good is for the days of Mashiach. Regarding Olam Haba, no eye besides Hashem has seen it. It's incomprehensible. So all the good prophecies are gained off for Mashiach, the tranquility, etc. It's for Mashiach. Uh, I meant to bring the Rambam, but if you get a chance, I'll uh, message me, I'll send you an important Rambam to read. I don't, I don't know it off by heart, but basically where he speaks about um, this reward, and then in Hilchus Melochim he discusses the difference between your, there seems to be a difference between your Moshe Mashiach and, is there a difference between your Moshe Mashiach and Olam Haba, when um, the times that we speak of are being to- totally tranquil, etc. Is that Moshiach or is that afterwards? Um, as we see here, Pligot Shmuel, Rabbi Yochanan argues Shmuel, Domer Shmuel, Ein ben Olam Hazeh, Ein ben Olam Hazeh, Moshe Moshiach, Elashibud Malchus Bolvad. The only difference between the days of Moshiach and nowadays is are the Jews subject to foreign kings or not? Shinemar says, Kiyoyach Talevyon Mikervaret says, the Pasuk says, they'll never not be a poor person in the land. I, everything will basically be the same. There will be poor people, rich people, I guess, sick people, healthy people, etc. in your Moisa Mashiach, except that the Jews will be able to serve Hashem without any uh, distraction and subjugation to other kings. But 
in general, but this seems against Rabbi Yochanan, who says that no, all the prophecies that speak about, I guess you could say the, you know, the famous ones of the lion and the lamb lying down together, and the tranquility and the peace, and etc., that's, uh, that's, that's Moshiach's time, or that's, that's not, um, so you've got to work out exactly Yemoisa Moshiach, Tchiyas Amesim, and Olam Haba, which ones are referring to when and where they're arguing. Um, All these navi, all the prophecies on the vim of the wonderful things is for Bale Chuba, those who return to Hashem. Tadikim Gumurim get a reward that no one's ever conceived of. And this is arguing Rebuva, Dom Rebuva, Mokom Shabbalah Tshuva, Oim Dimayn Tzadikimu, Enom Oim Dim. Whether the great level that Shabbalah Tshuva stand, either the closest that they come to Hashem, even Tzadikim Gemurim do not come to that closest. Shenemar, it says, Shalom, Shalom, L'Rochu, K'Lekorev. Greeting, greetings to the far and to the near. L'Rochu, Bereshu, V'Ada, L'Korev. The ones who were far, Hashem greets them first, and the ones who were close, Hashem greets them second. So the the Baalei Tshuva is greeting first because they're closer to, well, they're greater than the Baalei Tshuva. Why should Baalei Tshuva be on a higher level than Tzadik and Gomorrah? So there are a few answers given. One is they taste the taste of sin. So it's harder for them to go back to Hashem. Tzadik Gomorrah has always been serving Hashem with this in his, uh, the whole time. So he doesn't have these uh, distractions, these desires. He doesn't know uh, the taste of sin. Another pshat is uh, he also has the mitzvah of tshuva. Tzadik, a tzadik gomur never gets to fulfill the mitzvah of doing vidui, doing tshuva. Whereas a uh, bal tshuva does get that opportunity. Number okay, there are a few other answers. But carrying on, he says, oh, Rabbi Yochanan, how would Rabbi Yochanan explain that pasuk? That pasuk seemed to imply that someone who's far from Hashem, Hashem greets him first, and someone who's close to Hashem, either bal tshuva, and, the, and then the, and then the and then the Tzadik Gomer, Sir Biyogran says, When it says, It's referring to someone who is far from Avera, either Tzadik Gomer. And the second greeting to the Korov is someone who was close to Avera, but now he's distanced himself from it. My ain lo also what do we mean an eye has never seen it? This is wine that's been concealed in grapes from the beginning of creation. This is referring to Aden, which no eye has ever seen it. And oh, what about Adam? Where was Adam Marishan? Wasn't he in Aden? It's not Hoyo Bagan, he was in the Gan. Oh, Gan who Aden, maybe you'll say that. Gan is Aden, as we say, Gan Aden, maybe it's the same place. Talmud Lama, but now Yotzema Aden, Hashko says a Gan. Gan Lechud, Aden Lechud. A river flowed from Aden to water the Gan. We see that Gan and Aden are two separate things. But um, obviously these Gomorrahs, I should make my Agadic disclaimer here, obviously these Gomorrahs are very deep. It's referring to the built-in aspects of creation and the reward for Tzadikim. And we can't comprehend the reward that Tzadikim and for mitzvahs that will be in Olam Haba, etc. The son of Rabban Gamil got very sick, so he sent two Tamidei Chachomim to Rabbi Hanina Ben Doisa to Daven for him. Kiven when he saw them, he went up to his attic and he davened on behalf of the child. 
He said, go, you can go back to Rabban Gamliel because his fever has broken. He said, oh, you're a prophet. How do you know that uh, his uh, fever is broken? He says, I'm not a prophet and I'm not the son of a prophet. I have uh, accepted I know that if my tefillah comes out fluently, it's been accepted. And if not, it's torn up in my face. They said, okay, we're going to test you. They, they worked out the exact time and wrote it down. Are you telling us his fever broke out 3.35 when we came to visit you? We're going to check it out. They showed Ramon Gamliel the time and he says, yes, it was exactly that moment that his temperature broke and my son asked for water. So we see how effective Rabbi, Deutz's, Rabbi Hanina ben Doyce's tefillahs were and how, uh, confident, well, how confident he was in them. And when they were shkura b'fiv, he knew that they had been answered. There's a case, another incident with Rabbi Hanina ben Doyce. He went to learn by Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's son became ill. So he said, Hanina Bini, please daven for my son, so he can live. He placed his head between his knees and he davened to Hashem and the son was healed. Says if Ben Zakai would place his head between his knees and daven the whole day, they still wouldn't listen to him. I am very lucky that Rabbi Hanina Ben Doisa was able to daven and on me. So his wife said to him, is Hanina greater than you? I mean, even the story started that Rabbi Hanina went to learn from Rabbi Yochanan Mitzaka. He says, what's going on? He says, love, he's not greater than me. He's the servant before the king and I'm comparable to the uh, prince before the king, an officer before the king. What difference does that make? So the Maharsha seems to explain that um, yeah, you have to remember also Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka was the God of Ador, he was the leader. I mean, at the, it was at the time of the destruction of the temple, but he was phenomenally, phenomenally great and pious. So how come he's davening? So the Maharsha seems to explain very interesting that the, the Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka, whenever he went before Hashem, it was on behalf of the Jewish people. And he and that was his responsibility. That was his opportunity and responsibility as the leader of the Jewish people to take their cases before Hashem. But to go just before Hashem for his son, he couldn't do. He's too caught up, too busy with the tefillah. The tefillah is for the tzibur, on behalf of everyone. Whereas the Eved, Rabbi Hanina, had time to daven for each individual. I don't know that answer. Somehow, I don't. That answer is not sitting clearly in my mind. Yeah. I guess, yeah, maybe you can say that also. A servant comes and says, I need a, another ja- I need a, th- a thing of clothes. I need, a new, I need a new shirt. Okay, so you'll give him a new shirt. A, a prince comes and says, I need a new shirt. You're like, go, deal, go sort it out yourself. Maybe some, but again, he's davening to Hashem, so it's, um, I'm not too clear on it. Um, last point, Omri B'chia Baraba, Omri B'yochanan. I'll just spell back to Hilchus Tefillah. In a house which has win, a windows, we've actually seen this drosha before. says, okay, Daniel uh, diamond where there were windows. 
I find it very arrogant, very chutzpahdik for someone to daven in an open area. I also find it very chutzpahdik, very arrogant for someone who goes about telling people of his avarish. And here, as the Apostlech says, Happy is one who has sinned, but he covers his sin. And two points on this. So one is, we see that's the, that's the source. You don't dive it in an open area. They bring it has to do with, Rashi says, when he's in a more private place. Then it's easier for the awe of the king and his heart can break. And you know, open area, it seems as also, just as you're in an open area, your thoughts and your mind and heart is also scattered. When you're in a private place, then you can express yourself, I guess. Uh, maybe we can say also it's more internal, your tefillah, when you're in private, you feel you can express yourself personally better. Maybe that's pshat. Um, and then just on this last point, um, yeah, they bring someone, obviously if you do something to a fellow person, you have to admit it and pay them back and appease them. But when it comes to our various between you and Hashem, then to go around and speak about your various, even if you speak about the various you did and you did shiva, it's a little bit uh, degrading to Hashem that you actually did those various and it's, a, it's arrogant to act like that. Um, I was thinking, I mean, this is my only point, maybe this tefillah babika could also explain Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and why he is why. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was a public figure and he was always out in the open. I mean, it was not necessarily of his choice. He could have been the most humble, pious person, but his position was a position, a public position. And therefore, his natural demeanor would, he always had to be dignified and uh, like royalty, and his natural demeanor was not one of humility. Whereas Rabbi Hanina Mendoza was a I don't want to say regular person, but he wasn't a, he wasn't a leader, and therefore he was naturally had this great affinity to tzniyus and humility, and maybe therefore he could daven better. Now, I was thinking maybe that's answer, and that ties in why it all of a sudden brings the idea of davening by windows. As we said, you look up and you get awe of Shemayim, and then Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai say, uh, not Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, um, Rabbi Chiyabar Abba teaching us that you mustn't daven in a valley because you want tzniyus and it's easier to feel emotional in more in a more private place. Um, and for Hadron Allah, Ain Oimdim Hadron Allah, Ain Oimdim Hadron Allah, Ain Oimdim.